0: Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, results of the latest Findlay Police Department citizen survey, a closer look at whether residents feel protected from crime in the city and the areas people believe public safety needs to be improved. Also this morning, to your health, for American Heart Month in February, the Cleveland Clinic is out with their annual survey on the subject, highlighting how the pandemic has taken its toll on many Americans. And given the incredible work teachers have done under difficult circumstances over the past year, this could be the hardest decision ever. Nominations are now being accepted for the Findlay Rotary Club's Golden Apple Awards. We have details. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, February 2nd, 2020.
1: WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. WTOL 11 first alert forecast is calling for partly sunny skies today in a high of 28. Mostly clear tonight, a low of 12. A middle schooler from Bluffton died after being involved in a snowmobile crash. The 12-year-old passed away on Sunday. The Allen County Sheriff's Office says it responded to a 911 call about a snowmobile crash near Bluffton on Sunday morning. The boy was found to have life-threatening injuries and was transported to Lima Memorial where he later died. The sheriff's office says he was wearing a helmet and the investigation is ongoing. Get more on our website. The United Way of Hancock County has announced the results of its 2020 campaign and its funding for 2021.
2: We live in a very generous community. So United Way's campaign for the year of 2020 has raised over $2 million that will be going to 26 different nonprofits here in town.
1: CEO Angela Deboski says companies and individuals stepped up in a big way in a difficult year. We have a rundown of the funding on our website. The FBI is looking for another man with ties to Ohio in connection with last month's violent riot at the U.S. Capitol. Police are asking for the public to identify a man believed to have taken part in an assault on a Capitol police officer. The man was photographed wearing red, white, and blue face paint and is believed to have ties to Summit County. Anybody with information is asked to contact the FBI. Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost will not seek the U.S. Senate seat that fellow Republican Rob Portman is leaving. Instead, he plans to run for re-election in 2022, saying he loves his work as Ohio's top prosecutor. So what are some of the possibilities for that Senate seat? Potential candidates include Representative Bill Johnson, former Representative Jim Renese, former State Treasurer Josh Mandel, and Secretary of State Frank LaRose among Republicans. Democrats include U.S. Representative Tim Ryan and Dayton Mayor Ann Whaley. Daniel Barnett, ONN News. Speaking of elections, the filing deadline for the May primary election is almost here. The Hancock County Board of Elections says the filing deadline for candidates and issues is tomorrow at 4 p.m. The primary is on May 4th. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com.
0: So it is Groundhog Day, Tuesday, February 2nd, the 33rd day of the year. There are 332 days until the end of 2021. In addition to it being Groundhog Day, it is also African American Coaches Day, California Kiwi Fruit Day, it is Kendallmas, which is a Christian holiday that celebrates the early life of Jesus in particular. It uh, recognizes his presentation at the temple. Kendalmas takes place 40 days after the celebration of Christ's birth because religious law at the time said that women were purified 40 days after giving birth to male children, meaning the Virgin Mary would be purified on February 2nd and could enter the temple on that day. So, Kendalmas today. It is Crepe Day, Heavenly Hash Day, Self Renewal Day. Sled Dog Day, Tater Tot Day, World Ukulele Day, World Wetlands Day, and it is Groundhog Day. Did I mention that? Seems like I should mention that more than once. Uh, So, it may be Groundhog Day, but even Bill Murray would not recognize this year's event. The world will have to watch online to see if Punxsutawney Phil sees his shadow this morning because... Of the pandemic, we wouldn't want to get the little rodent sick. Unlike the day that Bill Murray lived over and over and over again in the uh, 1993 film, there will be no crowd at today's event. Uh, Instead, it will be entirely, it will be done virtually. The only people that will be there are Phil, of course, and the inner circle of gentlemen of Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, the Society of the Groundhog, or whatever they call themselves, <laughs> excuse me, to uh, pull Phil out of his stump and uh, declare whether or not he saw his shadow. Uh, the live stream coverage begins officially here in about 15 minutes if you want to log on to pa.com, But generally, the live stream actually starts a little bit earlier but normally there's a big celebration normally it begins like at 3 a.m or something i mean they they have all kinds of uh performers and music and all of this leading up to the big event but this year it is a much more scaled down celebration and it is all virtually uh phil actually would come out um about an hour or so after the live stream so about seven thirty is when he normally pops his head out if he sees his shadow of course that means six more weeks of winter if he does not there will be an early spring so goes the legend and do you know why it's that way uh, the idea is if he pops his head out of his stump and he sees his shadow it startles him he goes back into his stump and he goes back to sleep for six more weeks. So, hence, six more weeks of winter. If he doesn't see his shadow, then he uh, just comes out and starts foraging, and we have an early spring. So, that's the idea and the legend of Punxsutawney Phil. Of course, uh, we have uh, our own groundhog in Ohio. Uh, it is Buckeye Chuck. They've got groundhogs in, like, every state has its own groundhog. But the biggest one of all, of course, is Punxsutawney Phil. So... Uh, later on this morning, we will have the official prognostication, and we will bring it to you the moment we have it. Some parts of the U.S. seeing quite a bit of snow this week. We have seen, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of snow uh, more than at any other point this winter. I think even last winter, we, this is probably the biggest snow we've had in a couple of years over the past several days. It pales in comparison to what they have had uh, up and down the East Coast with the uh, Nor'easter, because it has just been a real mess in the big cities, New York and Boston and all of that. I heard uh, on the news yesterday, LaGuardia Airport in New York City, more than 80% of the flights in and out of LaGuardia had to be canceled. 80%. That must have been a real mess. For Thank goodness there aren't as many people traveling, because that would have just been a nightmare. Because... Obviously, that has a ripple effect through the entire system because those planes that go in and out of LaGuardia have to go other places as well. And if they can't get in or out, then that just mucks up the whole thing. So, But uh, here's the big question, the big burning question on everybody's mind when you get to a big snowfall like this. Is it safe to eat? Now, we know the old saying, don't eat the yellow snow, but Oregon, and that kind of goes without saying. Oregon State University professor Ann Nolan says most snow, most white snow, regular snow, is just as clean as any drinking water. And snowflakes have a harder time picking up soot and other air pollutants as they fall compared to raindrops. Uh, so once snow hits the ground, it stays clean until other things land on top of it. She says once snow is on the ground, it goes through a process called dry deposit- deposition depositin um it's a process in which dust and dirt particles start to stick to the snow and accumulate so don't eat discolored snow of any kind um but uh and even pink snow i don't know if you've ever seen pink snow that's an indication that there is uh, algae in the snow and it is not good for digestion but freshly fallen snow uh, is fine, and if you are standing outside trying to catch snowflakes on your tongue, uh, then that is uh, perfectly acceptable. So, not going to cause you any harm. In case you were wondering whether it was safe to do. And one uh, of the other uh, big stories. This is like the big story of the of the morning. SpaceX has announced that it will launch the first mission to space with an all civilian crew by the end of this year is the plan the four-person crew will travel on the private company's dragon spacecraft in an orbit around the earth with the mission expected to take place toward the end of 2021 uh leading the crew will be jared isaacman founder and ceo of payment processing company shift 4 payments i don't i'm not familiar with that company but hey he's a uh, he's like a billionaire uh, he is also a pilot who has flown both commercially, uh, both, both commercial and military aircraft. So, I suppose if you're going to, I was surprised that it was an all civilian crew, that there were no professional astronauts at all. I mean, it seems to me that there should probably be. It'd be like, you know, if uh, if they let you go up with the with the Thunderbirds, you know, the military stunt uh, pilots with the Thunderbirds, but they didn't. But they put you in the cockpit. (laughs) Oh, just take it out for a spin on your own. You know, there should be somebody in the, I would think there should be somebody uh, among the crew that knows what they're doing. But apparently this guy uh, has flown commercial and military aircraft. So uh, the uh, flight is part of a charity initiative for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Isaacman will give $100,000 to St. Jude and donate the other three seats in the capsule to people who will be specially selected uh one will be a saint jude ambassador another seat will be offered to the public as part of a charity drive and the final spot will go to an entrepreneur who utilizes the new shift for shop e-commerce platform so this is an advertising uh this this become an advertising campaign an advertising gimmick for jared isaac company but uh The multi-day mission called Inspiration4 will travel into orbit, circling the Earth once every 90 minutes before returning in a splashdown off the coast of Florida. Um, And the uh, company, SpaceX, did not reveal how much Mr. Isaacman paid for the journey. But again, since he's using it as kind of a promotional tool for his business, he can probably write it off, I would think. And... Whatever he paid, he's getting his money's worth because everybody's talking about this now. And that's kind of the point, I guess. So there you go. Some of the uh, most interesting, most buzzworthy stories. To start off your Tuesday
2: morning, take WFIN wherever you go with our updated mobile apps for iPhone and Android. And now you can listen to us on your Alexa device. Get the app at WFIN.com or in the App Store or Google Play. Plus, enable Alexa by searching for WFIN under Skills, and you'll soon be saying, Alexa, play 1330 WFIN. And the best part is the apps and skills are absolutely free. On the air at 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Online at WFIN.com and on your smartphone. Smartphone, tablet, and Alexa devices. Now, our
0: cover story this morning. Uh, just a few days ago, the Findlay Police Department uh, released results of their latest citizen survey. Closer look at uh, what residents uh, feel uh, with res- feel about uh, crime and uh, protecting citizens from it. Uh, Findlay Police Department Crime Prevention Officer Brian White uh, with us in the studio this morning and uh is this something that
3: you do how often do you do a citizen survey well first of all uh good morning chris thanks for having thanks us Thanks for coming. Yep. In. Uh, this is an annual thing uh it's uh pretty much done every uh october november each okay. time in the and, time frame yep and uh when
0: you look at the results of this survey how do they compare to previous years? Uh, you know, are there trends that you pick up on here?
3: Sure, it, it's pretty consistent, really. Uh, you know, one of the interesting things I know from the survey is that a majority of those that responded had no contact with officers, which normally you would expect. You know, uh, maybe one person has an issue or one person, you know, mm-hmm. uh, thinks we did a really good job. Those are usually the ones that would respond, right? But uh, we actually see the overall majority of the people actually did not have contact with officers. It's just a general perception of mm-hmm. how we uh, do things. Well,
0: and and I suppose in a sense, that is a, that a is, good thing. That is. Um, yeah. uh, at the same time, it does uh, lend itself then, the results, I would imagine, to some certain perceptions that may or may not, square up with reality.
3: Sure, absolutely. And that was actually uh, one of the driving forces of an added question for this year, and that was the perception of crime. Within the crime prevention community, that's always a gauge that we use, is how do people feel mm-hmm. uh, crime is going, whether up or down. Yeah, And overwhelmingly in our survey, we saw that uh, people generally feel that crime is going up. Although, when you look at the actual statistics from our annual reports that we put out, mm-hmm. you can actually see that these are going down. We're talking so, about violent crimes. I,
0: well, that's what I was going to ask. When you talk about uh, the, the crime rates and mm-hmm. the perception that crime is going up and the data that shows crime going down, is that across the board? Is that just violent crime? That would
3: be more the violent offenses, the ones that really keep people up at night. Mm-hmm. Say the robberies, the uh, burglaries, the break-ins, things of that nature.
0: Yeah. Um, so what drives that uh, uh, that disconnect? Uh, well,
3: yeah. It could be a majority of factors. Uh, One is just everything's reported now. Everyone hears about everything going on. Sure. Especially when it's a high-profile case. It's very sensationalized. Mm -hmm. And I would also say probably just the general attitude in our country right now. People are more concerned with everything going on. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that has... Low worry with people. How many? How much of
0: that uh, is is localized in the sense that uh, you know, for many years, uh, Findlay has been a growing community, Mm -hmm. and as we uh, grow in size, uh, there are the typical things that come along with that. And I'm not sure. You know, a lot of people uh, lament that (laughs) it used to be a nice, safe little small town, and and I don't know whether we're a uh, a big small city or a small big city right now, where we actually fall in that but uh, again with that comes uh you know the the problems that cities have
3: absolutely and what i tell people in my meetings is finley is no exception to any other city we we have the same issues anyone else has but we just don't have them on that degree right Mm -hmm. especially in a growing community you're you're going to have more people and crime is just a byproduct um However, we are no longer that small town mm-hmm. where we can't leave our doors unlocked and right. expect that no one's going to get into our cars at night. Because unfortunately, if <laughs> if we ever
0: were, I mean, there there might have been that perception, sure. but uh, you know, yep. maybe that's uh, maybe a, a misperception in and of itself.
3: Sure, and that's one of the biggest things that I have to combat. When I go into a lot of the meetings, say block watch meetings or anything else, Mm -hmm. is uh, yes, we we do have to take steps to protect ourselves and whether or not that's locking our doors at night or making sure our valuables aren't in sight.
0: At the same time, uh, you know, there's that old saying that perception is reality. And sure. if there is a perception that uh, there are areas where uh, the public safety uh, protocols or public safety in general can be approved, uh, then you have to take a look at that. Sure,
3: absolutely. And that's one of the biggest for- or driving forces behind us is that we're always looking at ways to improve mm-hmm. and any suggestions are taken into account.
0: So what do you do with uh, with this data? When you uh, have it, you compile it. I mean, it's... Uh, sure interesting to uh, look through but then what do you do with it how do you put it well my
3: end of this is uh, compiling the data and uh, shipping it off to those that can make the bigger decisions Mm -hmm. so basically it goes to my administration and then uh, ultimately the the city overall Mm
0: -hmm. Um, do they is that typically used then to uh, and again it's not necessarily your purview purview, but uh, directly uh, but does that uh, impact uh, where uh, patrols are done, or if P, uh, if uh, the, the force is uh, added to, personnel is added to the force, uh, sure. focus of uh, law enforcement, that kind of thing? Well, I, I can't
3: speak to specifically of personnel because I'm not sure mm-hmm. if that really uh, affects uh, when it comes to hiring. Mm-hmm. However, I will say that a lot of the information that's uh, developed through surveys and just uh, messages that the police department received in general mm-hmm. are used for enforcement efforts, such as, uh, say, traffic violations. Maybe mm-hmm. we're having particular issues on one street. One of the things that we might do is put out one of our speed trailers to check speeds and see how things are going mm-hmm. and then put officers down there for enforcement
0: so uh, again that's putting this data uh, to use absolutely and, and uh you know so it's not just uh just interesting data there's uh, some actual uh, meat behind it
3: sure uh, yeah it does have a purpose
0: um and when you look at uh the the results and we mentioned that that perception or that misperception that crime is on the rise when the data would show uh, otherwise are are there other areas where you look at it as a crime prevention officer is your role uh, in sort of educating the public Mm -hmm. on you know what's going on with it with the department what they can do to be more more proactive to help uh, the uh, the police uh, do their jobs is there information that, that stands out to you? I mean, is there anything in there that, that really caught your attention?
3: Well, it's all pretty consistent with uh, what I see when I'm looking through reports and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. But when I go into most of the meetings that uh, were not it's a presentation or a block watch meeting or anything else, yeah. one of the first thing I'll do is give an update on what is going on. Mm-hmm. Because again, as you mentioned, uh, perception is reality. Right. So I want to get that information out there and
0: but. And and with that in line, that in, that in mind, along those same lines, what are the first things that you hear from uh, others when you go to uh, say a block watch uh, uh, meeting? Or I, I know you talk with uh, students in in schools, and mm-hmm. you know uh, kids have concerns uh, as well. What are the things that you hear from?
3: Well, it really depends on who, which group we're talking with, but mm-hmm. in general, in the community, I would say um, drug concerns are probably at the forefront of most sure. people. Because again, this is kind of the stuff that we're hearing about. This is what we're seeing on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, um, matter of fact, uh, we recently had a uh, drug raid just uh, recently. Yeah. Uh, when we're talking about in schools, uh, a lot of the concerns are more around family issues. So you know, just uh, uh, maybe it's a, a family member lost a job or. Maybe mm. it's uh, some kind of dependency issue.
0: Yeah, um, and and again, when you look at the at, at the data, are there areas that stand out to you where uh, you say, "Yeah, we can do a better job here. We can do a we need to do a better job." Maybe it's in just informing the public, but we can we can do a better job here.
3: Sure, and I always see areas like that within here. Uh, for instance, maybe uh, did the officer resolve my problem? Mm. Well, a lot of times it might be an issue where it's not an issue that we can resolve, right? Uh, Oh, uh, just about on every call, there's going to be one person that's upset and one person that's happy sure. with the outcome. And sometimes we, we get... often say you, <laughs> so don't sometimes... see, you don't generally see people at their best. <laughs> right, that, That's correct. That's hey, and sometimes we get people that just, you know, just no one's happy with because right. there's nothing we can do legally to resolve that yeah. issue. So I think sometimes just from the officer standpoint, maybe we can take a little more time to explain things a little better, mm-hmm. why we're doing things this way versus that way. So that is, that is a good point, too. Again, when you talk about putting this data
0: to use, it's not always in terms of uh, changing what you do uh, in terms of patrols or uh, stepping up enforcement in this area or that. Sometimes it's just procedural uh, sure, absolutely. issues yep. that you can improve Yep, and work on. Interesting stuff again from the uh, uh, Finley Police Department Citizen Survey. Uh, you have uh, this, uh, the results of this survey up on your website too, right? That so,
3: is correct. Yeah. Yep. You can go directly to our webpage and uh, you can find it there.
0: Interesting stuff. And we've got it linked up on our webpage as well. Finley Police Department Crime Prevention Officer Brian White with us this morning. Brian, thanks very much for dropping by.
3: Thanks Good for time. having me, Chris.
0: Well, February is American Heart Health Month, and this year it falls during a pandemic, which is why the Cleveland Clinic's 2021 Heart Health Survey takes a deep dive into how COVID-19 is affecting Americans' view of their heart health and heart care. Dr. Leslie Cho is director of the Cleveland Clinic's Women's Cardiovascular Center. And no big surprise that you found 75 percent, two-thirds or three-quarters of Americans are more stressed due to COVID-19. Does that stress affect heart health? And how are you seeing the stress from the pandemic affect patients' heart health overall?
4: Yes, yeah, stress definitely affects heart. I mean, stress is one of those bad factors that increases our blood pressure. Stress causes us to eat more, exercise less. Stress makes us maybe drink more alcohol, which increases our blood pressure and our risk for, um, irregular heart rhythm. But ultimately, stress can even increase our risk for heart attack. And so stress is a really bad factor. And unfortunately, um, stress, Due to the pandemic and being frightened, has led many of our patients not to
0: go see their doctor. Mm. So a really important point there that this is not just anecdotal. We hear about, you know, stress being bad for our heart. It is, in fact, that is true both directly and indirectly. And it does seem, uh, at least according to some of the data that I've seen from the survey here, that uh, the majority of Americans says 81% are more concerned about their heart health because of COVID-19. I would imagine uh, some of that has to do with the virus's impact Uh, on our heart and the and the long-term impact some of which we still don't know but it seems as though uh, people do seem to understand that connection and and recognize uh, that it is uh, an issue Uh, this is uh, again to reiterate what you were saying before this is a warranted concern
4: absolutely i mean People should be, uh, you know, concerned. They're scared often for themselves, but mostly for their family members, and they should be, um, concerned. But the, the other sort of interesting and very paradoxical thing is, is even though they're concerned, 85% of them said that they were too scared to go to a hospital or go see their doctors, which led of our patients to stop taking medicines because they haven't gone to see their doctors for a refill. I mean, these are frightening numbers.
0: Yeah, that was uh, the other point that I was going to bring up here that I I saw some of the highlights uh, of this survey. Uh, A lot of patients putting off taking their medications because they're avoiding going to the doctor. What do you say to those patients that are putting off their heart health care?
4: please go see your doctor because it is incredibly safe to come to a hospital or go see your doctors. The American health system has done a great job of making hospitals and doctor's offices safe. Um, And even if you are scared, you can see them virtually. So you don't even have to leave your house. You can go and and visit them virtually so that you can get your medicines and you can take your medicines regularly. There's a lot of data out there that's Stopping medicines abruptly can have a very untoward side effect, increasing the risk of heart failure, heart attack, and so it's really important to continue medicines and continue to see your physician.
0: That is a a really good point, too. Discontinuing medicines uh, actually increases the risk of adverse uh, heart events, even above and beyond just returning to the pre-medicated levels, correct?
4: I mean, yeah, there are medicines you just can't stop either yeah. because you can't just restart it. Yeah, So it is very important, very important. You can see them virtually if you're scared to make sure that you don't, uh, you know, skip doses or, or miss doses or stop taking your medicines. A lot of times we've also heard during the pandemic that people were spacing out their medicines mm-hmm. so they don't have to get a refill. I mean, these are scary scary yeah. um, tales.
0: Uh, again uh, something that is uh, not advisable uh, i am curious since you are the director of the women's cardiovascular center did you break down the results by gender and are there differences in the responses between men and women and their uh, approach to all of this
4: um, no, we didn't break it down by gender, but okay. w- what we do know is that is that um, when pati- you know, men are more likely to take their medicines in general because their mm. wives are telling them to. It's <laughs> a good thing to have a wife uh, who loves you and cares for you and wants you to take your meds. But I think one thing we can uh, be certain of is that women do- are a caretaker for not only their families, but their elderly patients. So oftentimes, they're more stressed, they feel more burdened, they feel more burned out, especially during the pandemic, because they're taking care of their children, as well as their partner, as well as their parents.
0: And we know that uh, there is sort of the misperception that this is more of a disease that affects men. I, I don't know if historically some of those biases or um, you know things that have carried over from previous generations uh, still hold true. But uh, it is, in fact, uh, a, a growing concern among women as well. So you kind of have a, a double whammy there. So, again, February is Heart Health Month. So what are some steps that people can take to prevent heart disease and maintain good heart health in the first place?
4: Well, they can eat better. So we can all eat better, Um, you know, eat more plant-based natural diet. Um, We can exercise more. You know, you don't have to go to a gym. You can walk. You can do exercise in the privacy of your home, free exercises on YouTube. There's so many things. Please don't smoke or take up smoking again. Try to drink less alcohol if you, you know, if you can. And then obviously, you know, get preventative checkup, take your pills. And if you're diabetic or have high cholesterol, try to lower your risk by eating right and taking your medicines if you're on them
0: all of those things uh, have become uh, larger issues during the pandemic so it just emphasizes the point that we need to redouble our efforts to pay attention to our health even in these difficult times again dr leslie cho is director of the cleveland clinic women's cardiovascular center where can folks go for more information
4: They can go to clevelandclinic.org backslash loveyourheart.
0: We do have that link up at our webpage, goodmornings.net. In other health-related news, did you know that by this time next year, all foods with more than 5% GMO ingredients on grocery store shelves will have to be labeled as such? Which raises the question, will this help those who want to avoid GMOs Do so, or will it just lead to more confusion overall? USDA contributor Gary Crawford has more in today's Everyday Agriculture Report.
5: Let's go back more than four years now, July 2016.
2: The yeas are 306, the nays are 117. The motion is adopted.
5: Congress passes the GMO food labeling law which mandated that foods with over 5% of their content coming from genetically modified ingredients would have to be labeled as containing GMOs and that the food companies would have to provide shoppers with more information on GMO content of that food. Of course, it took three years to set up all of the rules and regulations for this law, figure out the look of the label and how food companies could provide the GMO information to consumers. The national law was passed not because GMO foods are less safe, less like non-GMOs, but because consumers wanted to know so they could make their own choices and also because several states were about to pass their own gmo labeling laws it would have created a patchwork of different rules and regs in each state now foods could already carry a no gmo label many have done so even though according to kansas state university extension food safety expert karen Blakesley,
2: there has never been any kind of documented incidences of any kind of health issues with someone eating these genetically modified foods. The
5: first of which came on the market 27 years ago with a flavor saver tomato you may have heard of. Blakesley says, nonetheless, Chalmers want to know, so we have the GMO labeling law. Labels actually started to appear on some foods this past year, but GMO labeling will be mandatory for GMO foods one year from now, January 2022. And here's what uh, we'll be seeing on some food packages and may already be seeing.
2: You'll see a little green... Label. Uh, It's a circle. It looks like a farm scene in the middle of it. And it'll say bioengineered or derived from bioengineering.
5: Also, the foods with the GMO label
2: must have a link or a phone number for people to call if they have questions.
5: Or, as an alternative for the food company,
2: they can put like a QR code on there to scan and learn more about what that particular food product is about.
5: Karen Blakesley says foods with no GMO ingredients can already be certified to carry a no GMO label or statement. She says that implies, though, that there's something wrong with similar products that do have some GMO ingredients, which she says simply is not true. But the no GMO statement is being used by companies as a marketing ploy, and it's not just showing up on foods.
2: I've seen that kind of label on a bottle of water. Well, water's not genetically engineered to start with. So. It really does add confusion to this whole process.
5: So will these labels cause food companies to stop using GMOs? Will consumers find the new labels a help or a handicap? Lots of questions.
2: We'll just have to wait and see how this all shakes out.
5: Gary Crawford reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture.
0: By the way, uh, Groundhog saw his shadow, in case you hadn't heard. Uh, Punks Tawny Phil did see his shadow this morning, so...
2: We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Darn rodent.
0: Six more weeks of winter, that's what he says. So take that for what it's worth. Time for the odd and unusual side of the news. Today's broken news report, a service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Police in California say an upset passenger caused a delay at the Oakland International Airport. Uh, The Alameda County Sheriff's Office says the unidentified man became uh, angry because his flight was delayed. And that's when he told a staffer, that he had a bomb in his luggage. (laughs) They they don't take too kindly to that uh, uh, at the airport. They have no sense of humor about things like that. Uh, Responding officers found the threat to be unfounded. Uh, The man was arrested after a brief struggle. He is now facing several charges, and he never did get on his plane. It It all started because he was mad his flight was delayed. As it turns out, he didn't make the flight at all a bomb threat he was so angry. That'll fix the problem. Texas Department of Public Safety got some unwanted attention on Friday after they accidentally issued some uh, Amber Alerts for two characters from the Child's Play film franchise. (laughs) They uh, uh, sent out one Amber Alert that uh, Chucky, the murderous doll, and his son, Glenn Ray, uh, had uh, gone missing. Uh, Glenn was described as having a blue shirt, black collar. Chucky described as wearing a blue denim, bl- wearing blue denim overalls with multicolored uh, striped long sleeve shirt, and wielding a huge kitchen knife. They actually sent out Amber <laughs> Alert. Uh, the uh, Department of Public Safety there in the Lone Star State said it was testing out its server when it accidentally made the uh, sample alerts public, but also assured the public that the number that was sent out for uh, tips uh, was not the real one. So <laughs> anyone who might have called is not going to gum up the lines. <laughs> Anything like that. Oops. Somebody is uh, not on the scale of that one a few years ago in Hawaii where they had uh, the uh, accidentally sent out the incoming nuclear missile alert. So not on that scale, but on the, at the same time. Uh, somebody's uh, job is in jeopardy, I would imagine. We're hitting the wrong button there. Elsewhere, a man from Clearview, I'm sorry, Crestview, Florida, is in some trouble with the law after police say they found him in possession of drugs and drug paraphernalia during a routine traffic stop this past Saturday. What makes this uh, particularly interesting was uh, the excuse that 29-year-old Stephen Coplin tried to give when police found heroin under his seat in his vehicle. He told them it was a chocolate laxative chocolate laxative okay mm. i'd imagine police have heard have heard them all they say they've heard them all but that one may have been new they didn't work by the way He's facing multiple charges uh and how about this a total of 10 people were arrested following a home invasion in menifee california officers responded to a report of a burglary last wednesday and found a man leaving a residence that uh, apparently had been broken into. They located suspects in a nearby van and also found another man hiding in the backyard. Uh, Officers also searched the home, and they determined that someone was conducting an illegal marijuana growing operation that included over 1,500 plants. (laughs) If you've got a major marijuana growing operation... In your home, why would you report a break break in? I mean, you would think that uh, <laughs> they report eight men found outside the home were arrested on suspicion of home invasion, robbery, conspiracy, and possession of stolen property. While a man found in the backyard also faces charges of being a convicted felon in possession of a firearm and a man and a woman found inside the home were arrested on suspicion of illegal cultivation of marijuana. So these cops hit the mother load when they they responded to to this call. That's crazy. And finally, in today's Broken News report, this is rather uh, unusual. The world-famous Hollywood sign in California has been changed. There's a report in TMZ. Six people were arrested Monday after the sign was temporarily changed uh, from Hollywood to Hollyboob. The group claims to have made the alteration to the world-famous sign to raise awareness for breast cancer. They could potentially face trespassing charges for the incident. This is not the first time that the Hollywood sign has been vandalized or uh, altered to appear different uh, to folks who see it on the mountain side. In 2017, people were able to change the sign to make it read Hollyweed. And uh, in 1987, uh, it temporarily read Hollywood. So I guess this is a thing. Change. I don't know how they do that. There you go. Uh, That is uh, today's broken news report. The odd and unusual side of the news. Uh, Update on the odd and unusual side of the news. A service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming.
5: A social distancing tip.
0: While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave. Wink. Use sign language. Salute. Smile. Give the peace sign. Throw up an air high five. Do jazz hands. Remember. Stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov.
5: Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council.
0: Time now for our daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. Valentine's Day right around the corner, less than two weeks away now. And it is a big day to pop the question. If you are in a relationship... You need to start paying attention because a new survey says it takes an average of 36 hints over the course of eight months for most people to finally pop the question to their significant other. (laughs) This is now this is a non-scientific poll of 2000 engaged Americans. It was commissioned by De Beers, the diamond company, Uh, but it finds 54% uh, of those in the poll dropped hints to their main squeeze before he or she proposed. And usually it's the guy that needs the hints and more hints and more hints after that. Uh, some of the, uh, it says it took long, longer for some, for, for some than others to pick up on it. Accidentally sending texts or emails with advertisements for rings proved to be the most common hint. <laughs> 59% of those respondents, uh, admitted having done that 45% deliberately steered their TV time to shows or movies about weddings, like say yes to the dress or my best friend's wedding 38% say they employed their friends to start talking about popping the question to the oblivious person uh, in, in question 37% deliberately left their web browsers open to websites dealing with weddings for their significant other to find while 31% casually pointed out rings while shopping with their significant other. These are all hints. By the way, 51% say the ring was more important than the proposal. Uh, This according to the survey, but again, it was commissioned by the diamond company, De Beers, so you might expect that. 17% said uh, the ring was even more important than their partner saying yes. I don't know about that. I mean, what's the point? You shouldn't say yes. There's no point to the ring. But that said, much of the time, the hints did not work. Nearly half said they got so tired of waiting for their partner to pop the question that they flipped the script and proposed it themselves. (laughs) Nearly half. Um, But again, I go back to that overall. um, 54% say they uh, dropped hints to their partner, uh, that it was time to get down on one knee, taking an average of 36 hints over the course of eight months for most, most usually guys to pick up on that. And I just thought that was, uh, that was interesting. Nearly half decided to heck with it. I'm done waiting. I'm just going to propose and, uh, get it over with. You know, given the incredible work that teachers have done uh, under the incredibly difficult circumstances over the past year, this could be the hardest decision ever. Uh, nominations are now being accepted for the Findlay Rotary Club's Golden Apple Awards and committee chair Matt Hall is with us uh, in the uh, studio this morning. Uh, this I, I was thinking that this should be like one of those Oprah things, you get a car, you get a car, everyone gets a car. That should be – I think everybody deserves an award this year.
6: Exactly. That That is that the truth. Um, <laughs> and this will be the, the toughest decision by far this, this year. Um, but this is something that Rotary Club has been doing. Uh, this will be the 31st year. I was going to ask how many yeah.
0: years. It's as long as I can remember.
6: Yeah. Yes. Uh, so the, the 31st year, I've been – involved in the committee for a number of years taking mm-hmm. over for for Alyssa preston who, who did it for a number of years um but it's just one of the best things that, that the rotary club is involved in.
0: and and this is not uh this is not just a popularity contest it is not uh just something that you do willy-nilly and draw names out of a hat there is a big process to being named a golden apple award winner
6: exactly and, and we do we ask a lot for, from the teachers so mm-hmm. it's it's a lot once the teachers are nominated um, they're asked to, um Provide a resume, provide a, a cover letter with, with why they think they deserve to be to be honored, mm-hmm. uh, as well as uh, a letter of recommendation from an administrator, uh, as well as a parent or a student yeah. of theirs.
0: Now, I, I know during the process, uh, you, you do spend some time typically in the classroom, right, with the uh, the teacher. And and obviously, this year is a little bit different uh, because classrooms are a little bit different. How will that work this year? I mean, has, has there been some Discussion on on how you do that aspect of it this year.
6: Exactly, and we went through that process last year as mm-hmm. well. So the the committee is um, comprised of of community members as well as past Golden Apple recipients. So the Golden Apple committee. Um, uh, all all of the the past winners are are involved in a committee and they're part of the process as well. Mm-hmm. Um this year we had uh, it was interesting we had you know iPads and and laptops that the teachers would walk around the classroom with them as they <laughs> taught the class. Yeah. Uh, it we we, uh, we learned on the fly but it, it it worked this year and you know hopefully maybe in the fall we'll be able to get back in front of
0: the, the kids. One of the things that the Golden Apple Awards has always recognized are uh, innovative ways of uh, reaching and connecting with students. Uh, and and obviously, uh, there's been a lot of that going on, again, across the board for every teacher having to come up with ways to connect with their kids online and virtual remote learning and, and so on. Is that is that part of the thing And you mentioned that went through a lot of this last year obviously too is that something you kind of take into account as well
6: absolutely um part of the process not only um is the classroom observation but also an interview with the teachers and a lot of that geared around you know how are we keep keeping the kids involved in Mm -hmm. in class what you know things out you know thinking outside the box to to, to keep these kids motivated and encouraged while they are sitting at home Mm -hmm. you know and hopefully you know quicker we get them back in class the better but absolutely in the meantime uh it's just yeoman's work
0: being done by uh teachers everywhere so it is like we said probably going to be the hardest decision ever uh this year it all starts with uh nominations and so give us uh the information on how people nominate uh teachers
6: so uh nominations um are going to be done all virtual this year um you can find it at uh finleyrotary.org um, right in the middle of the page there is a link for the Golden Apple Teacher Award nominations mm-hmm. we've also reached out to all the schools so they can they can advertise on their social media with the links directly to the sites um, it is a quick nomination process um, just fill out a few Uh, lines about why you think the teacher should be nominated uh, and then we will reach out to the teachers that are nominated to to help us gather all the additional information. That is
0: a really good point that uh, again we talk about everything that goes into identifying and selecting the Golden Apple Award uh, winners. You do all of the legwork. Uh, The nominations process is actually very
6: easy. Exactly.
0: um, And and there are what three awards given out each year?
6: Yep so um, elementary and preschool is one section. Um, middle school and then high school. So okay. uh, the the finalists, the the winners get twenty five hundred dollars. The semi uh, will receive a cash prize as well.
0: And then and and this covers uh, all types of uh, teachers in traditional subjects, regular classrooms, music teachers, art teachers, the special education
6: teachers. There have uh, been all uh, all of the above have won in the past. Exactly. So. Public schools, private schools, right. all the counties, um, all the county schools in Finley. City school so any teacher that you can think of you know send us our nominations
0: and the uh deadline is for nominations is when
6: uh deadline is i believe april 2nd okay, 2021 so,
0: so we've got a little bit of time but yes. uh, now uh, you know sooner the the better and you can get uh, everything started and then when uh, kind of give us the the timeline after that, after the nominations uh, are announced, then what happens next, and kind of lay that out. So
6: we'll give the teachers um, a few months to to get all of their um, all their boxes crossed, their T's mm-hmm. crossed, their eyes right. dotted, uh, and we will. Um, go through our process at, at the very beginning of the fall um, where we're selecting the semi-finalists for, okay. from each division and then the first couple of weeks of the school in the fall will will either be in person or have the the teachers zoom in uh, the, the hopefully classroom. be in person. <laughs> hopefully be in
0: person and uh, as you alluded to earlier uh, there is an award uh, outside of the recognition uh, for these most deserving teachers uh, there is an, an award a stipend
6: and so on exactly and and the uh, that will be on Wednesday, October 20th, um, will be the, um, the ceremony and a, and a banquet for those teachers. Um, a lot of the past winners will be there, as well as all the superintendents and principals um, for, for those teachers that, that are being honored
0: speaks volumes the the fact that uh, this has been going on for so many years and uh, you continue to get uh, lots of nominations and we are blessed with so many great teachers great educators uh in the community uh, at large and again this is for all hancock county uh teachers exactly City, county uh, exactly county. i do want
6: to shout out sue durain our, our club administrator for the finley rotary club Takes all the hundreds of of, uh, applications that we get and sorts them out, and and just does a fantastic job uh, on on our back end to help out the process. Uh, Such a uh, (laughs) tough decision uh,
0: every year, but especially this year. Again, uh, committee chair Matt Hall with the uh, Finley Rotary Club's Golden Apple Awards. We have the link up at our webpage for more information. Get those nominations in now, Matt. Thanks very much for dropping by. Thanks for having me. And that will put a wraps on our podcast for today. Thanks again to all of our guests for joining us on on the program. And a reminder that you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the program at our webpage. That is goodmornings.net. We are always on 24 seven on the world wide web. You can also connect with us on social media, contact us directly via email, sign up for our daily email newsletter, all at the website again, goodmornings.net. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you had a good morning, going out make it a good day we'll catch you back here
1: tomorrow